Hey everyone, welcome to The Midpoint. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to sit down and have a conversation with a superhero? Well, today is that day for me. I'm thrilled to be speaking with none other than Bionic Man, a real-life superhero who defies all limitations. Behind the mask of Bionic Man, our guest is the inspirational Michel Fornasier. Michel is not just an ordinary man, but a motivational trainer, a comic author, and a true role model. Born without a right hand, he defied adversity and transformed his life through the power of technology, becoming one of the pioneers to promote bionic prosthetics. As we dive into today's episode, we'll explore his journey, his passion for promoting inclusivity and diversity, and also the ways he uses personal experiences to inspire others. Join us as we delve into Michelle's incredible story and explore how he turned challenges into triumphs. So without any further ado, Oh, wait a second. Have you subscribed to this podcast yet? If not, please do and give us a rating. Without any further ado, let's get to know the Bionic Man. Welcome, Michelle. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Rico. Thanks for the invitation. So it's, it's not always, um, it's, it's not a very common thing to be speaking with a superhero. Um, but, you know, everybody can see, for those that see the video, can see um, the uniform in the background. Um, and I think we're speaking to each other as your alter ego, Michel, not as Bionic Man. So how, how does that usually work in your day to day? Does, does it get a lot of confusion? People not knowing how to dress you right now when they meet you? Well, it's kind of, yes, it's, it's a good question. Actually, it's kind of surreal sometimes when people ask you or speak with you as Bionic Man, you know, my alter ego, but you know, it's, uh, I'm kind of used to it because I'm doing this now for three or four years already. And, uh, you know, it's it's like a metamorphose kind of thing to be this superhero part. And it's always with a wink of an eye, you know, playing this superhero. Exactly. For the children. <laughs> and we're going to jump into that um, as well in, in depth uh, later on. Let's maybe start a little bit earlier. I think the first time I've met you, um, we we were actually talking about sort of your, your life um, uh, with with a prosthetic hand. Um, can you maybe walk us a little bit through sort of your early childhoods? You were born without a right hand. Can you tell us a little bit how that was, and also how you um, discovered that you know you might be it might be um, not as every other child or other children perceived you maybe as not not everybody else. How, how did that how did that basically create um, sort of a new way to navigate these challenges for your life? How did you discover this? Yes, I grew up with a missing right hand, actually, in a safe environment in Fribourg, in the western part of Switzerland, uh, with a two-handed younger brother, actually. And what was really important, my parents, they treated me the same way. So I received the same love as my younger brother. And this is really important that you treat, you know, all human beings the same way. Uh, they are people with Fully a great. missing leg, in the wheelchair, or with a missing hand. And they received the same love and the same entertainment or education, actually, as my younger brother. And this was really crucial and important. And I had a very nice childhood. Of course, there was bullying as well uh, from other children in school, in the kindergarten. But this has nothing to do with my missing hand, I think. Bullying can be you wear the wrong sneakers or the job of your parents. I mean... Children, actually, especially children, they are very direct and hurtful to each other with uh, bullying. And But they have a very kind and a very friendly environmental childhood, actually, back in the mm -hmm. days in Fribourg. 
Do, do, do you recall moments where you realized that um, you had maybe sort of you had to solve certain challenges differently than other kids do? Yes, or, well, I'm you know, a, like in the I, gym or. Yes, I love playing basketball actually. Well, I'm not two meter <laughs> tall, but I love to play basketball. I'm a big NBA fan as well. And I remember mm -hmm. back in the days when I was a teenager, 13 or 14 years old. There was like a competition, a basketball camp competition. You have to, you know, play some tests with a three-point um, and stuff like this. And I was there and I was so excited about it. And the coach came to me in the first place and said, Oh, you have a missing right hand. We are not Paralympics here, so you can do the oh, test. Wow. And I had not the chance to, you know, to to do those three point and, and stuff like this. And this was nowadays you would say this was discrimination, and it was very hurtful. And it was a kind of bullying as well. And uh, well, I played for the team in the neighborhood then, and uh, we were <laughs> better than the other <laughs> oh, wow. at the end. But this was kind of hurtful. And I was a teenager, 13 years old, and it was like very painful this uh, experience. Back in the I days. can imagine. Did do you um, at what at what point did you um, get a prosthetic hand? Did you already have one as a child, or um, did you already get it later? I was seven years old then, and I went mm -hmm. with my mother to the to the doctor. Then, of course, it was another time, but it was so scary and creepy because they were all everywhere. There were like hands and legs, looking like human hands and human legs laying around and it was a kind of shocking experience back in the days and i think rico then something inside me was created and i say of course decades later i would love to build a team and give children the opportunity to have cool prothesis like like mm -hmm. toys i would say and nothing like creepy you know, human kind of looking hands. And it was a shocking experience when I was seven years old, uh, like a horror movie kind of thing. And, but this was, I think this was the first step then to decades later, create hand prothesis with the University of Zurich and the ETH in Zurich, um, which has nothing creepy on it. Do, do you, how, can you can you walk us a little bit through sort of how that differs today? Sort of how much how, much, how many advances we've made? Um, we have how, how much yes, innovation has been done on it. That that's a good question. We have um, a lot of um, project going on with three uh, D printing because three mm -hmm. D printing is uh, quite uh, innovative and very light. The material actually is very light for children. It's like a hundred gram per prothesis, mm -hmm. so like a piece of chocolate kind of thing in Switzerland. And it's very, um, of course, children, they grew, they grow, they grow, grow, grow overnight, like bamboo, you know, <laughs> they're growing so fast. And you just can print it out within like two or three hours, a brand new hand thesis. And we ask, always ask the children, how should this hand, your hand actually, look like? Because at the end of the day, not the mother, not the father, not bionic or bionic man, wearing those prothesis, the, the boy or the girl wear it. And it's so crucial that the children have the lead, actually, of the design. And for, for girls, especially for girls, we have a lot of prothesis, like in the style of 
Disney Frozen, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. all the little girls, they love Disney Frozen. They love Anna and Elsa and Olaf and those figures. Mm -hmm. And now we say, let's do, let's create Bionics. So Bionics, that's the own cartoon. Of course, I will mention it um, afterwards. And mm -hmm. uh, we have a dog, a pirate cat, actually, with a super paw, you know, can she can time traveling and flying. And now we create hand prothesis for children with the bionics, the topic, the main topic is the bionics, those four superheroes. Gotcha. So, so you, um, I'm pretty sure that every pr prosthesis needs to be custom to sort of the, the yes. body of the wearer. Um, yes. But you're saying you go, go beyond that customization so that the kids feel comfortable with this. So that's, you, you mentioned the, the, the term toy, right? But it feels like um, maybe if an adult creates Uh, or if let's say if I would design a hand, I would like to make it as human as possible, obviously, yes. and, and so that it doesn't look different compared to any other hand. But you're going the completely opposite direction. Say, so let's make it colorful. Let's make it fun for for the taste of that person that Sparkling wears it. Sparkling and glowing in the dark. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> you are glowing right. in the dark. Actually, yes. I would love to have it. I would love to have that. <laughs> You, you are absolutely right. And it's fair enough. Teenager, especially teenager, they want like a human hand, human looking hand, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they don't want to be like, you know, as close as possible to a human hand. But children in the range of, I would say, five to 12 years old or five to 10, I would say, they don't mm -hmm. want to have, they don't want a hand looking like a human hand. They want a Hulk glove or a Mickey Mouse glove kind of with four fingers, you know, like nothing compared to teenagers because teenagers, they want to be discreet. You know, they just want to, not hiding it, but they want to look like they have two hands. It's a different ball yeah. game, teenager and children. It's a different phase, I guess, in, in sort of in their yes. development as well. I, I mean, you, the Mickey Mouse hand with four fingers, it just makes <laughs> it more crazy. I, I'm switching my opinion away from the glow in the dark <laughs> to the Mickey Mouse hand. That's hilarious. Okay, so, so um, when... I think one one of the quotes that I um, when I did my research about sort of your background story, I found the quote um, that prosthesis are there to show, not to be hidden. And maybe yes. talk a little bit about that. What you mean by that? Because as you said, for a teenager, they might prefer to hide um, sort of that 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 um, that situation compared to maybe a kid or so. What, what did you mean when you when you mentioned that quote? Exactly. It was especially for, for children. And I would say we try to make um, hand prothesis. We, we don't call them prothesis because prothesis is always kind of, you know, sounds like old fashioned and, you know, a little bit dusty. Sounds medical in a way. Yeah. Medical, exactly. And we call them super mm -hmm. hands. And it's so, you know, it's so funny to see when I'm in schools with this Bionic Man costume, the children, they don't call it prothesis anymore. They call, oh, that's your super hand. And it's a Love different that. mindset. That's really a mm -hmm. different mindset. And to ask, to answer your question, actually, it's about um, we try to create like super hands or prothesis, having more Peter Pan magic in it than a Captain Hook hook. That's our <laughs> mindset yeah. kind of thing, because mm -hmm. You know, it's it's for your environment. Sometimes it's difficult when those hands looking a little bit creepy. You know, it's difficult to build those bridges between people with and without disabilities. 
And mm -hmm. when you have like a sparkling, cool looking hand, it's much easier to build this bridge between a child with and without a hand or length difference. Yeah, I fully agree. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're also like the, the cool kids in the schoolyard, right? Coming up with, a, with this yes, kind of and super, we, super hands. You know, like, like four, four years ago, we had a project with Lego and I would say 95% of the children, they love Lego. They love Lego. 100%. And we built with Lego together a hand prothesis with Lego bricks. And it was no such way. a success because when the child comes to kindergarten or to school and he or she has such a cool Lego hand, everybody say, wow, you are the guy with the cool Lego hand, not the one with the creepy hand prothesis, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, now you've gone through the different phases. Um, in so share, share a little bit of your own experience. Like you, you've 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 um, been going through that experience as a kid, also as a teenager, and now as an adult. Like, um, can you help us understand a bit what that um, hand actually means to you? Sort of, how do you identify? Is it part of you? Is it? A, a tool the same way as I see maybe my phone. You know, I'm, everybody's very yes. attached to their phone as well. I mean, we're kind of extending <laughs> our personality to our phones as well. How do you, how, how do you see it um, yeah, in relation to your own identity? Or maybe well, it was a long, well. Yes. Well, it was quite a long journey because before I had hand prothesis looking like, you know, I used them riding a bike or my motorbike and stuff like this, it was okay for me, but I was never attached. And, uh, you know, I never made peace actually with my hand prothesis and myself because they're looking like a little bit, you know, weird in a way. And mm -hmm. I, you know, 35 years, three and a half decades of my life, I didn't wear hand prothesis at all. Maybe, you know, twice a week or, you know, mm -hmm. or when I can, play PlayStation afterwards and wear it and then have like, you know, I have to earn it. But it was a long journey. And especially in summertime, I was really ashamed of my limb difference. It's not a hard disability. It's not a heavy disability, but a very visible one. And especially mm -hmm. as a teenager in summertime, when I went out in the lake or swimming in the pool and stuff like this with other children, it was so hard for me because it was not even the look of, well, the, the, the looking at it of the people. It was the, you know, the whispering behind my back. And it was like, oh, he had a shark attack for sure because of his missing hands. You know, it was like, you know, all those rumors going on. And I decided for myself, let's hide it. Let's hide it. And I'm not the, the talk of the town anymore. And uh, it was a long way. It was quite the hard way. And one day when I was like 37 years old, I say, oh, I'm tired of hiding it. Let's, you know, I'm Michael without a right hand. I'm not better or less better than the, the, other, the other kids mm -hmm. or the other people. Let's show it. And I'm not you know, walking through the main station and say, hi, I'm Michael with, uh, with uh, uh, the right hand. No, but I don't hide it anymore. And it took, a, it took a long time actually, but now with this hand prothesis, this is the first one I really accepted because mm -hmm. I made the, the hand, well, actually the glove is transparent as you can see. It, it and... reminds me, every time I see it, it reminds <laughs> me of, uh, of iRobot. Uh, you yes, know the movie with Will yes, Smith? Like, like the design is very... Yes, but totally. I'm a good one. Yeah. I'm a good iRobot. 
<laughs> no, anyway, but I it, I had the option as well as a for a human looking skin glove. And I yeah. say no, everybody will know that's a hand prothesis. Of course, when I move it, you know, when I move it, everybody knows it. And let's make it clear. I mean, when you see everybody see everybody say, "Oh, it's an artificial hand." And when it's mm-hmm. like so with a skin glove, everybody look at it and say, "Oh, it looks like a human hand, but the movement is so different. It's so robotic." And I say no. Let's make it clear. It has six engines, two in the thumb and four in every finger. And I say, wow, it's so innovative. Why should I hiding it under a skin glove? And this yeah, is the it. first one I can a hundred percent say. This hand is like an accessoire or a part in my daily life. Yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, I I think you did the right decision there with the design as well. I, every time. I think when uh, the first time I, I met you with a with a group of people, everybody was so intrigued and wanted to understand it, see it, uh, have you explain it. It's it's really a piece of. It looks a lot more like a piece of technology than the sort of term of a medical medical uh, device, right? Exactly. Um, and and yeah, it it looks it, really it, spacey. Sorry to interrupt. I have I have a good colleague. She is an artist in, in New York, and she said, "Oh, this hand." It looks so nice and and fancy in a way. We can actually you can show it at the Museum of Modern Art in New York because it's a piece of art. It's not like a medical device. Of course, it's a medical device, but it looks like a piece of art in a way as well. And it was such a flattering compliment actually for my hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think the the reference to uh, sort of the analogy to the phone is actually that far off because I think nowadays yes. we really extend ourselves with with these tools and maybe at some point we'll kind of interface in different ways and uh, with with uh, our internet or sort of our connectivity um, not maybe with the screen but you know in in other in other types of connecting sort of our our sensory um, to uh, to those devices so I, I think we're just in a phase where we we're exploring and I love to see um, on how, how you do this um, with with your hand and sort of with the, the works of whoever, or with everybody that created it, um, sort of innovated on it. Now, exactly. let's talk a little bit about... Yes, please. Go please. on. Yeah, let, let's talk and a little bit about the, about the foundation um, yes. uh, that you're yes. running. Uh, you mentioned already uh, before a few projects um, or sort of you, a few moments with the Lego, et cetera, that you were working with kids. Talk us a little bit through the mission. Um, what are you trying to achieve, and what what do you actually uh, do, uh, sort of uh, as a whole, with these children? Well, the charity, the foundation, actually calls "Give Children a Hand." Well, someone give someone a hand is some you know help mm-hmm. someone, and we try to give a physical hand as well for the children. But it's much more than hand prothesis or super magical hands. It's about diversity, bullying prevention and inclusion mm-hmm. and for the comics we started with comic books and we had you know our main goal was to make them non-violent so with mm-hmm. non-violence of course you have the teletubbies you have the paw patrol dogs they are non-violent as well but actually mm-hmm. you don't have superheroines and superheroes which are violent free 
even Superman, he's a good guy, but he's very violent with his laser eyes and, you know, destroy the whole world. Two people are safe and still a happy end, you know. And I would say, let's create some non-violence. And even we are such a little tiny gear in this clockwork. But I think mm-hmm. when we have a lot of different gears and a lot of different gears coming together, we can make a difference. I, I, I worked for Amnesty and UNICEF and they had mm-hmm. such a nice quote. They always say, together we can make a difference. And I think, Rico, when a lot of little gears, like we are a little gear coming together and turn in the right direction for nonviolence, I think we can make an impact and a difference. Uh, you know, even if it's a little puzzle piece in this world, but we keep going. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Um, how maybe can you give us some advice? I mean, I have two two small boys um, in school. So how can we help, or how can I help to combat uh, bullying and and promote in- inclusivity? Yeah, it's a tricky question. I think we can stop bullying. Bullying it will always, you know, be there actually. But we can make this the children stronger than bullying. I mean, when they are confronted with bullying, I mean, it will be today, it will be in the future. Bullying never will disappear totally. But if the children are stronger than bullying, they don't care about if if it's a tooth gap or a bigger nose. They say, you can say whatever you want to say. The bionics call, it's okay to have a bigger nose. So I don't care what you say. And they are stronger than bullying. And I think that's the way to go mm-hmm. that's a good example i feel like in many ways when um i think that that also applies sort of to adults in any way when somebody tells you something um that you're not happy about and you get angry about it most of the time it's because you actually think or accept that insult or whatever the other person is saying um and get emotional about whatever whatever it is but if somebody tells you i mean we both have brown hair right if i I would walk up to you and say hey michelle i i hate your blonde hair you would go like okay just move on because i'm not blonde whatever so if somebody (laughs) would walk up to you and say you're stupid right um you get insulted because what's him to say that you're stupid but in the end it's not a fact it's not true but we get emotional about it right so it's a it's a it's also something that you can work on yourself in terms of like emotional control when somebody uh, or when a bully um, talks to you. Exactly. It's a lot harder for kids, of course. Yeah. yeah, children can be very hurtful to each other and they can be very direct and, you know, straight and offensive. And it could be the wrong sneaker. It could be the job of the parents. And we don't say, oh, you have to be like this or that or you, you live <laughs> inclusion or diversity. No, we just give them a wink. We give them like a, a step or two and they can decide, will I take something from the bionics or not? And it's fair enough. They can, you know, no pressure. And I think one of the good ways actually to do this is with comic books and with, you know, with... Um, with comic figures, actually. Yeah, let's talk about Bionic Man a bit. Um, how do you how do you come up with with the name, with the concept? I mean, it's a great idea to have a nonviolent superhero. We already covered that. Um, but what? Yeah, what what brought up the idea? Yeah, well, actually, the children were the inspiration of Bionic Man because um, back in the days, the children always asked me, 
do you have superpower with this bionic hand? Oh, and in the first place, Rico, I always say, no, I don't have superpower. And they were super disappointed. They say, oh, yeah, such a cool hand and not even superpower. How boring is that? You know, and then I started to answer, mm, maybe I have superpower or superpowers. And they were so excited and they say to their moms and dads and teachers, when I when I'm a grown up, I want to have a, such a super hand as well. And you can believe me when you were asked like 790 times, do you have superpower? Sometime one day you believe it, you know? Yeah, and sure. I had a good colleague, um, David Bowler. He is, he's a Swiss guy actually, but he worked long time for DC and Marvel in the US. Mm -hmm. Well, actually for Disney. And mm -hmm. I, I, I talked to him and say, oh, let's create a comic book or like few stories in the first place with a superhero and a superheroine then later on with a missing hand. But the missing hand is not a, you know, a weakness. No, it's like an added value. It's like their superpower kind of thing. And that, that, that's really the difference because normally you have superheroes like Superman, he can fly. Hulk is like a super strong guy or the Flash is like super fast and so on. And here it's a weakness makes them to superheroes and it's a different mindset actually and he it's was super ex bite. exactly spider spider. Bite, yes <laughs> and not the bad bats flying around batman yes and and david was super excited about this and we made some stories put them on instagram and we mm -hmm. had such a huge echo actually and we keep going and continue the work and now we have like four books and it was, you know, it all started actually with a dream. Amazing. Yeah, we definitely got to put the link into the show notes. Uh, the, yes, the, they are also available in, in what languages are they available? In uh, French, in English and in German. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, we'll put all the links, uh, links in the show notes. Um, so what, what kind of adventures uh, do they go on? I'm, I'm sure they must have adventures <laughs> since they're superheroes. Yes, they, they can time travel. They are time travelers as well. And of course, you have really new horizon. I mean, they visited the antique Rome, for example. They were like, um, they, they visit the pirates because actually the cat, she's a pirate cat. And, okay. uh, you know, it's, uh, but have a look at bionicmania.com. You can see a lot of cartoons and comics and very colorful as well. And violent free, of course. <laughs> And well, of course, perfect. Um, do you um, so? What's what's there uh, for you in the future? What's what are you working towards um, with Bionic Man, also with the foundation? Well, I'm so blessed because since two weeks now we had Bionica as well, and Bionica because I was so much so often in the kindergarten, and the little girl asked me. Do Bionic Man has a superhero girlfriend as well? And mm -hmm. now we have one. Well, we are a couple, but just in the comic, not in the real life. <laughs> and actually, she's vice, well, vice, uh, Vice Miss Germany. She, she was second in the Miss Germany elections uh, one mm -hmm. year ago. And she lost her left hand or left arm three, three and a half years ago with a car accident, well, a motorbike accident. Mm. And I met her in a TV show in Germany in the first place. And she said, 
oh, if you need a Bionica, just give me a call. Let me know. And since last week or two weeks ago, we have Bionica as well. And she has a costume, actually, the same as mine, a bit more pink, <laughs> of course, mm -hmm. than mine. Of course. But now we can go together to child hospitals, to children's schools or sport camps. And it's, Rico, it's such a different synergy and energy, actually, to have those two gender equal characters. And mm -hmm. this would be an amazing journey just started two weeks ago. Oh, that's wonderful. Is, is, um, is the activity, are you going to focus mainly on the comic and sort of your activity in schools or do you have other other plans beyond beyond that well actually it goes hand in hand literally you know hand in hand with the, <laughs> with the charity of course and mm -hmm. because when we sell books the whole amount goes to the charity so with the amount we earn from the book we can give children hands we can give them as a gift you know for free and oh, actually wow. this is Yes, this is a project, well, the support of the comic book. Actually, the, the comic books give children a hand, we can say. And it's in good hands, the donation, we can say as well. It is in good hands, literally. And this literally. would be a journey, and we are planning a, a cartoon as well on TV. This is a kind of oh, wow. off the board right now. And uh, yes, um, there's a lot going on for 2024 and 2025, actually. So we are quite busy. <laughs> But in a good oh, fantastic. Way. Fantastic. I mean, definitely worth uh, one more time to say, like, go and have a look at the comics and, and order a few if that also if the proceeds go um, to uh, to these su super hands uh, for kids. Exactly. Um, super hands. Yes. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. So I'm again mentioning some, we're going to put the link in the show notes. Please, ha please have a look. Hey, um, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Thank Michelle. You Thanks so for much. being part of it um, and for providing all that insights and information. Um, good luck with Foundation. Good luck with Bionic Man, the comics. Hopefully we get to show so as well much. soon. Um, and um, yeah, thank you, uh, everyone, for listening in. It was great to hear Michelle's story. And if you liked it, um, tune in again next, next Friday. And please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. Thank you, Michelle. All the best. Thank you. Take See care soon. and stay healthy and never grown up like Peter Pan. Never grow up. Bye-bye. I love it. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.